You're listening to another great message from Northside Community Church. Because it does sound a bit like that, doesn't it? It's just a, it's just very story-like, isn't it? That passage, very narrative, very dull in some respects. It's just so standard. It's not not like those passages that are all the big, wonderful words that you see from the Psalms and that wisdom literature. It's like, yep, this guy rocked up and he was born in a stable, and it's very narrative and. Look, I've noticed it because I do it and everyone else does it. But have you noticed that at Christmas time, uh, the, the pastors, they get up and they're always giving some form of devotional message. And it's always with the sorts of words that they're, they're evocative. Uh, there's lots of feeling to them, love and joy and peace and hope. And it's a very evocative, emotional time of the year, isn't it? Very, everything's very eloquent. And i tell you who does it the best is... The retailers now are the best at this. I, I just love the challenge of the, the retailers and their advertising gurus because they've got to come up with a way to feel evocative whilst extracting anything to do with Jesus Christ out of Christmas. So, you know, it, it's slogans like the things we do for love. You know, and, and, and joy. you see all the words around the shops, like it's all very evocative, very emotional, great atmosphere and feeling. Let's be a bit different today. Uh, I'd, I'd like to be clear, not eloquent. And if I am eloquent, then that's a bonus. But I just want to be clear, particularly when we're talking about the word hope at Christmas time, because if ever there's a word that ev- evokes a sense of feeling and emotion, it's hope, isn't it? And people live off the feeling of hope. But here is the challenge, and that is that hope is no hope at all if you're just treating it as a feeling. If you're just treating hope as a feeling, that's no hope at all. And what this passage in Luke chapter 2 will show us is narrative and as simple and as standard as it is that Christmas hope is bigger than you realize. Christmas hope is smaller than you realize. And Christmas hope is more powerful than you realize. It's bigger, it's smaller, it's more powerful. First of all, Christmas hope is bigger than you realize. You see, my sister and I would fight all the time. We're 19 months apart. And that's just what... Boy and girl siblings do when they're 19 months apart. And uh, we, we're always fighting and we would get a lot of, with, a way of, with a lot of different cheap shots and we'd try and keep it down. But, but here's how you knew that you were really in trouble in our place because it was a two-story place and our rumpus room was downstairs. Here's how you knew you were really in trouble. You could just, you'd hear the footsteps. And no matter how, whether I had her in a headlock or she had me in a headlock... No matter how much we were fighting, we would scatter to either end of the room because the minute we heard those footsteps, we knew we were really in trouble because Dad was about to come downstairs. <laughs> now, uh, there's two ways to uh, read one of the verses from this passage. Verse 11 of Luke chapter 2 says in here, Today in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. There's, there's two ways that you can read that. There's the poetic way. Oh, to you a saviour. It's the Christmas carol way. Today a saviour has been born to you. Or you can read that and say, here he is. A saviour has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. He is God the Lord. The other way that you can read that is going, uh-oh, dad's had to come downstairs. <laughs> Christmas hope is far bigger than you realize 
Because the trouble we're in, what this passage is saying is far bigger than you realize. Let me put it another way. When it says that a saviour has been born to you, or born to you, it means that Jesus Christ has been given to you as a gift. That is the message of Christmas. He's given to you as a gift. Now, we all know this, don't we? But gifts at Christmas time always come with a message, don't they? I mean, if, if Kristen gave me a book that, uh, that said, you know, open, open it up, and, and there it was, and it was the CSIRO diet. And then if I got the next present and I opened it up and it said uh, how to win friends and influence people. And if I opened up the next present and it was a bottle of Listerine. <laughs> and I said thank you and I genuinely received that gift. I guess I'm having to admit that I'm fat, obnoxious and my breath stinks. <laughs> Gifts always come with a message, Right. And so when someone receives Jesus Christ as the gift, if a saviour has had to have been given to you, you really should be asking yourself at Christmas, are we that bad off? Are we in that much trouble? And if you can get beyond 2,000 years of pious words or even this modern atmosphere of the things you do for love, according to David Jones, then the answer is yes. Christmas hope is bigger than you realise because the trouble we're in, says the Bible, is bigger than you realise. Now, what trouble and saving from what, saviour from what? You know, you've got to actually go back to Isaiah, which was written hundreds of years before this narrative of Jesus Christ and telling the history of Jesus. And, and it says in here, in Isaiah chapter 9, verses 2, it says, The people walking in darkness have seen a great light, and on those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. And then it goes on to say in verse 6, for, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Now in verse 2, there's a fascinating phrase there. It says there will be people walking in a d- darkness, a deep darkness. It was better translated as a death darkness. They're walking in a death darkness. Here's the problem why it's bigger than we think. Human beings are always living under the shadow of death. And we could argue today that the modern people in life, they live, we live more in the shadow of death than any, at any other time in history. And people say, well, how is that? We've got modern medicine. We've got good government. We've got a good health system. We've got knowledge and education. But look, last time that I checked, the death rate was still one per person. And yet the problem is for the modern person, we live in a time where the sense and the belief and the conviction and the hope that there is something beyond death is as small as it ever has been in history. We, we live under this shadow all the time. And so here's what this lack of hope and belief of something more does to you. There was, uh, there was a philosopher, Albert Camus. He was a Nobel Prize winning philosopher. He's a non-Christian as well, but he gives this great illustration. He says, imagine that someone comes to you and says, look, tell me what you enjoy the most. And you say, look, I love watching the footy or I love listening to Handel's Messiah on the CD. Uh, And he says, okay, that's fine. Uh, But a person's going to come up to you and they're going to say, I'm going to kill you in an hour. I have a gun right here. I'm going to shoot you in an hour, but I want you to go and enjoy yourself for the next hour. Watch the footy, put the CD on. 
What are you going to say to that? How much fun are you going to have in that? <laughs> it's not going to be fun at all. And Camus asked why. You know, don't you realize that life is like a gun to your head? You're going to die. It's inevitable. And so here's the problem. Here's the trouble we're in. How can we have any joy in life unless you deny or minimize your mortality? How can you, how can you be happy unless you have hope? Hope, we see this morning, is far bigger than you realize. Because the trouble we're in is far bigger than you realize. Charming. Some of you are going, oh, that's a mood killer. <laughs> Told you, I just wanted to be clear, not eloquent. So don't blame me. I already, already front-loaded what we're doing this morning. Um, hope, you know, Christmas hope is bigger than you realize, but Christmas hope is also smaller than you realize. Here's the other end of the spectrum. Um, back in 1989, which was uh, the final year of the greatest decade in history, there was, uh, there was a, a Disney movie that was the highest grossing Disney film ever at that point in time. It was called Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. And so it, Honey, that I Shrunk the Kids was about this uh, crazy scientist who accidentally uh, shrinks his kids and his neighbor's kids with his little shrinking gun. And as a result, he accidentally throws them out in the garbage uh, in the garbage can and, and these poor kids now have to try and cut their way out of the garbage bag and traverse their way through the treacherous backyard overcoming all sorts of ridiculous challenges like um, man-sized eating ants and, and the ferocious whirl of the lawnmower and the floodwaters of the sprinkler and these poor kids had to navigate their way back to the house in order to be rescued. Now, look, all of you are already thinking, how do I hire this movie? You know, what, what, what was it about that plot line that made this Disney movie the greatest grossing film of its time up until that point? And here it is, at least what I think it is, that there is no greater tension than the small overcoming the impossibly big. These kids having to navigate through all this sort of stuff. Verse 6 of Luke chapter 2. It says in here, She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. Um, Small. Unassuming. Imagine if this is your life goal. You're saying, look, what if in 2,000 years I'd like three quarters of the human race to know my name? And that 2,000 years from now, I'd like a a quarter of the human race to center their lives around me personally. How would you go about it? I mean, would you hire consultants? Would you you have a strategic plan? Would you get on Twitter? I tell you, one of the things that the consultants and the experts, uh, they won't come up with is they they won't say, hey, why don't you get born in a stable? (laughs) And uh, why don't you get born amongst the manure in a little backwater town? Of course not. You know, they'd say, no, you know, Jesus, God, you need to roll out a marketing plan. They won't say, get born in the major. They, they won't say, spend your entire lifetime outside the power networks of the world. Stay outside the economic and the political and the academic influences. They, they'd say, stay out of that. And then to get executed early on in your career, they'd say, no, that, that's not part of the plan. That's ridiculous. <laughs> you see, the world, they said it's stupid because the, the world knows how things happen, Right. They know how you're supposed to be successful. And that's what I love about it. You know, God, God makes sure of it. God makes absolutely sure of it. His son comes down, this little boy born to poor parents, 
in a backwater town. Remember, you know, can anything good come from Nazareth? Why would God do that? Why would he do it this way? You know what God is doing? You know what the message of Christmas is? Honey, I shrunk the kid. Honey, I shrunk. Can't you see? You know the the things that are huge and impossible to us: the sickness, the hardship, the poverty, death. To God, in His non-incarnate form, all of those things are just ants and sprinklers to Him. He just steps on that sort of stuff. There's no tension. There's no there's no excitement. There's no plot line to that. And yet He comes downstairs, shrinks the kid. And that kid starts in the backwater. He lives an average life. It's an inconspicuous life. You hardly hear anything about in the Bible until he's 30-something. He comes on the scene. He has a little bit of a political stoush, gets killed, and then turns the world upside down. You know, why does God do that? Why, why would he do that? Why? Because it's so that the Christmas hope is a real hope. And it's an accessible hope. And it starts smaller than you think. And because it starts smaller than you think, here's the thing. There's no hope for the hopeless unless that hope is born out of hopelessness. I mean, if this kid took on the world by climbing the ranks of the intelligentsia and rose to the heights of financial and political or academic power, then what hope is there for, for, the, for the single mum with no education that's battling it with a kid? What, what hope is there for, for the kids of Smoky M- Mountain in Manila? You know, what hope is there for a person who's struggling on the streets of King's Cross? You know, hope, this, is, this is the miracle of it all, is that hope, the hope, real hope of the Bible is a lot smaller than you realise. And yet, because of its smallness, then for us small folk... It's through the smallness that we can enter into his greatness. So it's smaller than you realize, it's bigger than you realize, it's smaller than you realize, but it's also more powerful than you realize. Because look, if our problem is this, if death itself is impossible to overcome in our own strength, and if death to us is too much of a thing for us to overcome, and if dad has really come downstairs because we're in that much trouble and a saviour is being born to us, if he has come downstairs, here's what it means. It means the truth is this morning from the word and not just a story. It means there is an upstairs. It means there is a beyond after the death. If he's come downstairs, it means there's an upstairs. Now, some of you are saying, well, how does that give me strength and calm and poise and gentleness in all of this trouble? You know, look, if you interpret Christmas, you know, oh, look, it's just a nice story. That's a few nice words. And I, you know, if you concede, look, I'm one of those people that I don't believe in God, but look, I can see some merits in it. And if you can stretch the narrative and live by the narrative, then I could see some, some good things coming out of it all. If, if you concede at that sort of level, then there's no power in that. And here's why. Because if you're not seeing that, this somewhat offensive gift of a saviour to you is saying that God himself has marched downstairs, that he shrunk the kid, that he was victorious over the only real problem that you have this Christmas death, and he calls you into that power only through faith in him. If you, if you don't see that, if you're not seeing that, then you know what you're doing? You're Albert Camus in your life. There's a gun to your head, he says. Enjoy it. Cram in all the happiness that you can get and find. Make the most of what you've got on this side of death because after that, then there's nothing. And what he challenges us all to, and this guy's not a Christian, he's saying, look, just be real in terms of how you're thinking. 
This hope is bigger than you think. The trouble we're in is bigger than we think. And Christmas is just about coming to realize that this is a serious problem if we stop and think about it. Without hope, you're either denying or you're minimizing. Yet for the Christian, for the Christian, we know that there is a beyond. We know that when you come to accept that this is not just a story, it's history. When you come to accept that the only reason that this book and this church exists is because this boy was born and God came downstairs in human form. When you come to ground that and ground that in a hope beyond, there is power because your hope is no longer in your circumstances. That all of the things that so many people hold on to and cling to in life, when all of that is stripped away for the Christian, then there is still something that we are tethered to beyond. It's more powerful than you come to realize. It's bigger, it's smaller, it's more powerful. Christian, brother, sister, why the stress? Why the anxiety? Why the drivenness? It's, it's because we haven't realized We've forgotten, we haven't realized the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. We haven't realized the beyondness of that hope that we have in him. And so it is our work simply this morning. And isn't it for all of the Christian life to simply work this into the head and down through to the heart? (laughs) The otherworldliness of this hope. And so that peace and that joy that we'll talk about next week may overflow in our lives. That's just your duty as a Christian to partner with God and his Holy Spirit to get that in. Non-Christian... Uh, look, I, 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 I'm, I just, I'm, I'm glad you're hearing this message of Christmas. And there's a gift here for you this morning, if you'd like it. And look, if I'm real about it, it's offensive. It's like copping a CSIRO diet and a bottle of Listerine. <laughs> but look, anyone that's called themselves a Christian has accepted that gift with thanks. And they've come to realize that the trouble that we really are in and that is the beginning and the birthplace of the hope that you can have in Jesus Christ you know C.S. Lewis said if I find in myself desires that nothing in this world can satisfy then I can only conclude that I was never meant for here you're not meant for here there's a hope that's beyond there's a hope that's beyond and for whatever you are going through this this morning in some ways it's bigger than you realise It's smaller than you realize. It's more powerful than you realize. I pray God helps you work that in this week. Let's pray.